Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello my friends, welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. I'm Don Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries, Pytown, New Mexico. I want, you let, want to let you know about our, our series, The Words of Jesus, the goal of which is to reinforce Christianity with the wisdom and the words of Jesus, which incidentally are recorded in red ink in your Bible. Uh, I'm awful glad to have you here to be with us and continue our study as we go through this little book called The Words of Jesus, and today we're on chapter 39. This is when Jesus defends his disciples for eating with unwashing hands. I know it doesn't sound like much of a crime, but evidently it was in those days, and you'll see why. Certain Pharisees and scribes from Jerusalem came to Jesus, finding fault that his disciples ate with unwashing hands. For, according to tradition, long handed down, the Pharisees and Jews could not eat without first washing their hands. There were many other old laws concerning the washing of cups and pots and brass vessels and tables. The Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They wash not their hands when they eat bread. Now I admired them uh, in this particular case, that they didn't say, why are your disciples breaking the law of God? Um, I thought it was uh, you know, very coherent on their part, at least uh, aware that, they, uh, that this was a tradition of the elders. Now, the, the Jews were just amazing at, at traditions and, and how important they are. Um, it's probably one of the most famous lines in The Fiddler on the Roof. Jesus was about to explain to them that, you know, traditions are causing a problem in your theology. Uh, this is something that I find that uh, I'm having to fight constantly. Um, and it's, it's not so much a fight, and, and, you, have to, and you have to very well uh, pick uh, what you're fighting against. I'll explain. Um, because there's a lot of traditions that are involved in Christianity that are good and sound and solid and good for you. Good for the home, they're good for your social life, they're, they're good in, in, on the job, they're just good for us. These are, it's just because something is a tradition does not mean that it needs to be totally rejected. Now, when it becomes a religious rite, when it becomes a tradition that um, starts to take on a, 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 uh, a religious connotation and even a sinful connotation, um, I think it needs to be examined. And I, think it needs to, I think it needs to be examined uh, hard because Jesus, uh, well, let's, let's go on and read. <laughs> we're going to let Jesus teach here for a little while. Um, Jesus replied, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. 
Howbeit in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, ye hold the tradition of, of men, as the washing of pots and cups and many other such like things ye do. Full well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and whosoever curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or his mother, It is korban, that is to say, a gift, by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his mother or his father, making the word of God of none effect by your tradition, which ye have delivered, and in many, and, and many such like things do ye. Jesus had other things on his mind when he was talking about this. The particular uh, laws of Korban came to his mind. The laws of Korban were, uh, w was a man-made uh, law, and I, I don't even want to say a law, because I really don't think that, that the, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the, the scribes, the people of the Sanhedrin that were making these laws, uh, I want to give them the benefit that they understand the difference between the Lord God Almighty, Jehovah, barking down through the, through the heavens and giving us laws and commandments, carving them in stone is different than a bunch of men sitting around talking about stuff and making up rules. Well, you know, there, there's people out there that would argue with me, people that know a lot better than I do, and people who are more qualified, to say the least, to condemn them in this, because I don't know these things personally. I, I, haven't, I haven't been on the inner circle, so to speak, but I understand that there are some who feel just that way. As a matter of fact, the Takanot and Ma'asim of the Jews, the, the oral and the written law uh, that has been developed over time, um, is considered to, to many to be Torah, to be the law of God. Um, Jesus made it very clear that there are Ten Commandments. I think the story of the Ten Commandments makes it very clear that there are Ten Commandments. And God was perfectly capable of writing 11 commandments if he wanted to, and he could certainly write 613 commandments if that's what he wanted to do. But he gave us 10 commandments. It's also a curiosity if you look at the 10 commandments, you can see as many as 14 different commandments in there. So why do we call it the 10 commandments? Well, because in three other places in the scriptures, it talks about God giving us Ten commandments. So they have to be divided up um, in, until they make ten. Um, I, I think that there are commandments within commandments. Oh, it's like uh, the, the carving of gods. Don't do that. And don't bow down and worship them. To me, that sounds like two commandments, but um, they are coupled together in one. Uh, those of you who are Catholic are not aware of this particular commandment because somewhere along the line uh, some pope, and I don't know which one it was, it's not coming to me now, had that commandment removed. 
Yes, you heard me. They just arbitrarily removed it. But before you get mad at me, if you're a Catholic, let me tell you something. I admire the Catholic Church in this area more so than I do the Protestant uh, faith uh, tremendously. Why? Because, you know, their doctrine teaches that the Pope is the voice of God on the earth. He is the vicar of Christ. He stands in the place of Christ. So, sure, he can eliminate commandments and add commandments or do whatever he wants to do. Because at least these people are honest enough to say, we don't care what the Bible says, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to change it and we're going to eliminate this commandment and so forth and so on. Uh, But the Baptist, (laughs) oh gosh, I shouldn't pick on the Baptist. It's all Protestant denominations. They, They eliminate commandments and do it secretly. Or they act like they're fulfilling the commandment in some other way. Or they, they say, well, in the Greek it means, in the Latin it means, in the Hebrew it means. And they, they make all these excuses pretending to keep the commandment, yet violating it as if, they are, as if they're wagging their fist in the face of God. So one is an honest approach and one is a dishonest approach. Both approaches, by the way, are absolutely wrong. He gave us Ten Commandments. We are to keep Ten Commandments. Not nine, not eight out of ten. We are to keep Ten Commandments. Now, <laughs> that's another subject for another day. I, so I, I, and I'm sure we're going to hit it over and over again because uh, it's, it's unbelievable that the, the foundation of Christianity, the foundation of the worship of our God is the commandments, and they're the, the most disrespected thing that he's ever written. Um, well, it's true. Uh, had not the, the, uh, the apostles made it clear that if you violate one, it's just like violating them all, I suppose a 9 out of 10 approach would be just fine. But it's not. So we'll deal with, with, with that in another time. But I think it's interesting that one of the... Um, uh, let's see, was it a Pharisee? Yeah, it was a Pharisee. Ask, um, he said, Master, what, is, what would you consider to be the greatest commandment? Now, it's interesting that when Jesus went to choose a commandment, he didn't choose from the ten. You ever thought about that? Where does the Bible, where, where does the ten commandments ever say, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength? And the second commandment is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Well, you can scour over the little stone tablet all you want, and you will never find those commandments there. What in the world was he doing? He, Jesus saw, uh, I think, a sinister uh, opportunity that was being taken by the Pharisees that he would divide up or at least uh, draw some distinguishing mark or uh, connotation, some kind of a, of a, a borderline between the commandments, thus um, uh, moving commandments into an area of prioritization. And he didn't fall for it at all. He said the greatest commandment in the world is that you'd love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it. Well, they didn't ask about a second, but he thought he'd give it to them anyway. Why? Because he says, on these two hang all the law and the prophets. 
And he's saying that if these two commandments are fulfilled in their entirety and with sincerity, you will find that you are keeping all ten of these commandments. Now, there are, and, and, and in our day, you know, people who are constantly looking for reasons not to keep one or two of the commandments will say, well, you know, I don't keep the ten, but I keep the two. Friend, if you've ever said that, um, you're either deceived or you're a liar or you're wicked or you're blind. Something is sincerely and severely wrong with your theology, your doctrine, and, and ultimately, subsequently, your relationship to God. Please don't say that. There is no way that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. There is no way you do that. You know, you might feel love. You might, you might insist that you love him with all your heart because you have no hate toward him. A lot of people feel like that's what love is, the lack of hate. Um, there, you know, people come up with all kinds of things to make them, to justify themselves so that they can continue to do what they've always done. And, um, and, and the second commandment, loving your neighbor as yourself, really? I'd, I'd be interested to see some example of that in your life where your concerns for your well-being and for your physical comfort and for your uh, nutrition and for your clothing and your housing is less important to you than your neighbor's need, need for those things. Friend, we're deceiving ourselves if we think we keep those two commandments. And, uh, you know, there's, a, there's also a, um, a theological uh, postulation that God gave us these Ten Commandments to show us how sinful we were. Well, he made a mistake if he did. Because you can keep all ten of the commandments without really much trouble. You can keep them all. So how is that showing me that I'm a sinner? If he really wanted to show me that I was a sinner, and by the way, he doesn't have to show me. <laughs> I'm fully aware of this. But if he really wanted to show me a sinner, he would have remained at two commandments that are just, man, they're just impossible to keep. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength? I'm condemned. <laughs> Love my neighbor as myself? I'm condemned. There's just, there's no way around that. He could have stayed with those two if his intention was to condemn the world. But his, that was not the intention of the commandments. The commandments have had two purposes, as a matter of fact. There, there were two purposes, and you, sh you, should, you should know this. Memorize this. Understand this that they, they have no other purpose. First of all, they were given to the children of Israel because our God wanted to live with us. And he says, I can't do that for two reasons. You guys, you're, you're, you're breaking, you're, 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 the life that you're living is not congruent with my life. I have certain rules that I have to live by, and I can't countenance a lot of the things you're doing. So here's a list of 10 things. Obey these things, and I can come live with you. And then the second thing I have to have, i got to have a place to stay. <laughs> i got to have a place to live. I can't live inside you because you're wicked. I can't live in your houses because they're not up to my standards. So I'm going to need a temple. And in those days, it was a tabernacle. He needed a place to stay, and he just wanted us to keep these Ten Commandments. 
He didn't give us commandments we can't keep. Well, if you count those two, he did. But in the ten, none of those commandments. You don't have to violate those commandments. I know. You know what you've been told. You've got to sin every day. Everybody sins every day. I don't. And you don't have to either. A sin is not just you know, falling slightly a, a millimeter below perfection. It's not just absolutely hitting the bullseye's bullseye, uh, or, or not hitting it, I should say. It's not just falling a little short of the bullseye. Sin, the Bible says clearly, is a transgression of the law. So how can you live without sin? Don't violate the commandments. It's really just that simple. He really put together a wonderful plan by which we, mankind could live on the earth in communication with him. Uh, through, through the, the, and this was all a stopgap measure before Christ came, I understand. But the, the adherence to the law, a temple for him to live in that had certain rules that had to be obeyed, a priesthood to minister to him, uh, in his temple, you know, the respect for him and all the things that you read about not having any gods before him and not taking his name in vain and not worshiping other gods, the Sabbath day observance and these, all, these commandments have to do with our relationship to him. And you'll see that the next five commandments have to do with our relationship to others. And of course, the 10th commandment is, uh, is your gift from God. And we'll talk about that one day. But... Um, it's, it's actually keep us from violating our own selves. And, and, and we'll explain all that as time goes on. But what I want you to know is, is that he developed a system that, was, that would have worked perfectly. Well, Israel, they didn't keep the Sabbath day. The Lord was really distressed with them that they... Well, you're going to think I'm speaking like a hillbilly, but I'm not. Pay attention to what I'm saying. He was really distressed that his people wouldn't or couldn't do nothing for him. <laughs> and uh, and it's, it's really true. And all he wanted us to do was to cease from our own labors on one day a week, and we just couldn't seem to do that. Well, for 490 years, uh, Israel violated these commandments. And, and they... And for that, God says, hey, you owe me 70 years of Sabbaths. And by golly, he got them from them, didn't he? 70 years in captivity um, to, to, to equalize the balances. Um, 70 years in captivity corresponded to the 490 years that they ignored the laws of the Sabbath day. So, when they were, when they trickled back into um, into Israel and started to develop their own nation um, and, and their own country and setting up the walls and the gates and, uh, and reestablishing their country. The, the Sanhedrin, the, the, the religious leadership, decided, you know what? We don't need to go through this again. We need to make sure that people are keeping the Sabbath day. Now, how are we going to do this? What they did, um, one was, as they were very Sabbath-sensitive, you notice that when Jesus was there, uh, they were constantly talking about him breaking the Sabbath day. You never hear them talking about him breaking any other commandment. 
um, except in, 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 in some cases. Um, but it was the Sabbath day that they were super sensitive to. Number one, they became super sensitive to the Sabbath day because the Lord made it very clear, this is the reason you were in captivity. He made it clear. So they said, how are we going to keep this from happening? Well, let's see. What does the Bible say about the Sabbath day? Oh, don't build a fire on the Sabbath day. All right, I'll tell you what. We'll make it a law where you not only can't build a fire, but you can't even put one out. Yeah, that's it. So, um, you know, he says, uh, in, the, in the situation of manna that fell in the wilderness, when the Lord says, I'm going to give you manna enough for so many days, and I don't want you going out on the Sabbath to gather manna, let no man come out of his tent on the Sabbath day. Do you realize that that scripture is what is the, is, is, is they consider to be the basis for their rule called the Sabbath day's journey? The, the scripture says nothing absolutely nothing about a sabbath day's journey so uh they d invented the sabbath day's journey they all got together and said hmm what's the farthest a man should be able to walk away from his possession his property uh, on the sabbath day well they i don't know how arbitrary it was i don't know how much time they spent deliberating over this but they decided about three thousand feet <laughs> and so you know, a, a, a thousand paces. That's as far as you could go from your home. And um, so they, they built this commandment into their list of rules and, and enforced it. And so it became um, understood. Everybody knew what a Sabbath day's journey was. It wasn't in the scriptures, but they invented that. Why did they do that? Because they're just trying to aggravate people or trying to lord it over them or what are they? No. Buddy, they were still stinging from having been in captivity in Babylon. They meant well by what they were doing, but it just got out of hand. They kept building fences around the commandments, and then they would build fences around the fences. They didn't want people to violate the commandments of God. And so they, they would take scriptures in, in the Bible like, uh, thou shalt not see the, uh, a goat in its mother's milk. And so, bang, out the window go cheeseburgers. Well, who in the world thought of that? <laughs> um, you can't have meat and dairy together. No ice cream after a, after a burger? I don't know. How, who, could, who in their right mind thinks that's the right way to live? Well... All right, I'm having fun, and, and, and I, and I, I, I want to be lighthearted about this, but these commandments were, were driven and pounded into the heads of these people to the point that, what happened? These were their traditions. And Jesus is saying, your traditions are making the faith of God, the Word of God, the Scriptures, the law of God, of no effect. And so he was trying to tell them, I don't know where this washing of pots and bowls and cups and stuff comes from. It's not in the scriptures. I didn't tell you to do that. My father didn't tell you to do that. Where did that come from? And now you're condemning my disciples for not obeying your traditions. You see, this was very frustrating for him because he says, I'll tell you what characteristic you do seem to have. You're over here, you know, 
swatting these little gnats and you want to make sure that, oh, there's, there's a gnat in my drink here. I need to get that little gnat out. And, and he says, you're straining out gnats and you're swallowing camels. This is, this is not good. How is it that it's okay for you to do this and it's not okay to do that? Does this sound familiar to you? This does not just apply to the Jewish community. This applies to almost every religion that has ever been created. I don't know why, but there it is. It happens all the time. You know, you can, you can, it's easy to find a church or to find a, a group of people that call themselves Christian. They don't have any trouble with gossiping about one another. Scripture is very clear about gossip. They don't have any trouble with overeating. Scripture is very clear about not overeating. They don't have any trouble with a, a, a lot of the things that the Scriptures are very, very clear. You will not do this. But they'll make a, they'll make a man quit smoking before he can join the church. That's amazing. Where, does that, where is that in Scripture? It's just not there. But it's such an ingrained thing that... There's people that just can't get over it. They cannot get over that. And so it's okay if I gossip. It's, it's okay if I don't tithe. It's okay if I violate the Sabbath day. There's one that's carved in stone. And that's okay. Why is that okay? Because of your tradition. Friend, I'm going to tell you, you're going to be amazed if you honestly inspect the, the doctrines the, and the traditions, the tenets of your faith, the, the articles of your faith, and try to find them in Scripture, you are going to be shocked at how much you think is important that he doesn't feel like is important at all. And, contrarily, I hope you're shocked when you realize the things that he feels like is very important and you couldn't care less about. Now, friend, if you start finding these kind of things out about your faith, what's the next thing we need to do? Don't we need to rebuild this from the bottom up? Don't we need to uh, just purposefully eliminate some of the, the foolish, trivial minutia that divides all of us? Don't we need to purposefully eliminate that and then gather in what is obvious that the Lord wants us to do and put it within our life. Friend, if you're not going to do that, just keep on going to church. Just keep on, you know, getting your information from some guy somewhere. And, um, and, pl and please don't tell people that you're a Bible-believing Christian. Because you're not. <laughs> you're just not. Um, all right, the time is gone. What a shame. <laughs> but uh, we're going to continue this at another time. And, um, and I appreciate you showing up here, and I look forward to seeing you next time. Hey, I want you to do something for me. I want to hear from you. You know, I give you my personal email. If you write to me, I'll read it. I'd like to know your comments. I'd like to know your questions. Tell me where you live, how you're listening to the broadcast, and what we can do, what we at thinkredink.com can do for you. All right, time for us to go. Till then, Think Red Inc. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. 
join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.